Welcome to Armchair Preaching, a podcast of the First Presbyterian Church in Lakeland, Florida. This is a podcast about God's Word, the beauty of the gospel, and what it takes to communicate that truth to others. I'm Pastor Zach McGowan, and on today's episode, Pastor Kenny Ellis and Pastor John Fullerton discuss this week's sermons and the nature of what the Word of God means to our lives. We hope you enjoy the conversation. All right. Well, welcome to another edition of Armchair Preaching. I think we're eight or nine uh, episodes in at this time. And uh, normally your host is uh, Pastor Zach, but he is in England uh, working on a class for his doctoral studies and uh, already had posted several things on Facebook. Looks like he's having a great time visiting some of the historic sites of C.S. Lewis and doing some classwork. And so anyways, we'll miss him being here today. But yes, we, uh, we have me and... Uh, Dr. John, Pastor John with us today. Good to be back here for round two of yeah. Armchair Preaching. Yep, absolutely. So, um, John, I know one of the things that, that we thought we'd talk about, we'd, we'd kind of hit on this maybe in one of the first episodes, but um, I think it'd be great to circle back around and talk about it because now we have some fresh eyes with you being mm-hmm. relatively new here. Um, and just talk a little bit about... Um, the differences between the three services that we have, mm-hmm. um, I think it's it's pretty unique um, to have three pretty distinctly unique services uh, under the same roof um, and all be kind of in a mainline Presbyterian church. And uh, But they're, they're all very different. They all kind of attract certain types of people to each one of them. Um, anyways, but I thought we'd talk a little bit about yeah. What your experience has been since you've come, what, you, what have you observed, what do you appreciate yeah. about the differences and that sort of thing? Well, just uh, so let's just talk about what the three are. If somebody's joining us doesn't maybe yep. know that much about it, we have an 815 service that is a uh, traditional um, you know, music and hymns and things like that, traditional order of service. Uh, but at that service, there is communion that is served every week. So it's a really neat element of that service yeah. to have communion served every week. And then the different thing, the thing that, that is um, taking some time for me to get used to is the fact that there is a contemporary music you know, style of music that is a part of the vine service here, and then a, a, a more traditional style of worship that are happening simultaneously. Yeah, that's, that's pretty unique. That is, that is unique. Uh, yeah. Where I came from, if you were the preacher of the day, you were the preacher of the day. And literally, we would, I would go from... I would go from coming in in blue jeans and preaching the first service, I'd go change clothes in the, in the back and, and then put on the tie and the robe and all this. And yeah. then I'd go, you know, I'd go out and do the traditional service. So that, so getting used to, to having two preachers on every, every week is a, mm-hmm. is a different thing as well. But, uh, but, uh, but I like it. And I like the fact that, uh, I like the fact that, and I know we're going to get to this in a little while. I like the fact that you and I, or whoever the two preachers are, can not only have some conversations beforehand, Mm-hmm. about the text of the day and whatnot. Sure. Uh, but it can also, as we've done, we've looked, listened to each other's messages, can also say, oh, that was pretty cool what, what, mm-hmm. what he did with that. And, oh, I didn't think about that. Or, you know, she didn't, I wasn't going there yeah. with that. I think that's pretty pretty cool to, to have that. Yep. But stylistically um, is, is one thing. Um, appeal, you know, who goes to what and why do they go to that? I mean, it'd be interesting over the years, uh, as, as, as I get to know the people, say, to ask them questions like, why do you go to the 815 service? And I have the feeling there'll be a number of motivations behind that. I mean, I know this past Sunday, uh, we stayed up, uh, a group of us stayed up late watching the, the uh, Florida play uh, K- Kentucky. And so 
So we were, uh, so I, I addressed them as uh, my fellow early risers. Yeah. So there's a group of people who are early risers and then fellow Gators who stayed up watching that, watching that game. So I suspect that, uh, that there are some, there's a good group of people who come to that service because it's early. Yeah. And when they're done, they're, they're, they can do a class or they can go home or mm-hmm. whatever they're going to do. I suspect that others will come because, uh, because they like the communion uh, elements uh, to it. So there's just, everybody likes, you know, the, mm-hmm. that, 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 er, that vibe created there. But then, you know, obviously our bigger services in this church are the two, two 1030 services. And, um, and I guess I'm, I mean, my, my impressions are they're, they're, they're kind of con- consistent with my own experiences of the mm-hmm. people who like the one and people who, who like the other, the, the 1030 vibe. Having the communion every week is the unique thing, I think, for this, for that yeah, for 15. Yeah. And, and I like that too. I mean, I, but having these two, two experiences at 1030, at, for me, it's a very similar to what I've, uh, I've experienced all along. And, and I had, I had people who said, um, I only want to be around drums and guitars and, and, and lights and, and screens and things like that. And I just really can't find my sort of that worship voice. Uh, the thing that lets something come out of me to express my love for God uh, when I'm doing that with, with hymns. Mm-hmm. And then I, and then 10 minutes later, I may be having a conversation with somebody saying, I just don't get all that banging of those drums and, and playing those guitars. I just, I just can't find it in me mm-hmm. to express my love for God and, the, and, and have that sense of the majesty of God in, in that. So those feel more like something I have had, you yeah. know, more, more t- time with, and they feel, uh, you know, it's very, very consistent with what I've heard through the years that some people love them, some people don't like them. But. Well, and I think, I think what's important and what's been interesting to watch here at FPC is that when Vine was first introduced, um, there were quite a few people who were uh, either ranged from skeptical to um, even averse to a more modern contemporary style of worship. And the conversations sounded more like, um, it's not appropriate, or that's not really worship, or that's not really Presbyterian worship. And so it's been neat to me to see over the years as God has enabled the majority of people at our church now to just see it as it's a personal preference thing. Mm-hmm. It's not that any of the worship services are more biblical or more theologically accurate or more Presbyterian. They're all three very appropriate expressions of Presbyterian, God-centered, Bible-centered worship. They're just different. And so I think now people are able to say, you know what, I don't, I don't really want to go to Vine. It's not my, it doesn't, like you said, it doesn't give me the voice of worship that I want, but I'm thrilled that it exists. Yeah. And I'm so glad that there are people who connect there and vice versa. Mm-hmm. We want the same thing for a, a Vine attender to say, the traditional service really isn't my thing, but I'm so glad that it exists. And I'm so yeah. glad for some people that that's, that's a very appropriate expression of worship. And I think we're, we've gotten there, which I think is a testament that God's faithfully mm. matured mm. us as a, as a community to be able to respect all those. So anyways, it, it, it is unique, um, but I, I, I think most people see it as a real advantage of our ministry that we have those three options. I, and I think I, I, I think I said something about this last week, uh, that that's a, that's a unique um, offering to a yeah. community around us to say that, you know, if it's not, you know, for this is not your thing, we have, your thing might be happening simultaneously in another room yeah. right now. Uh, and not every church can do that. Not every, yeah. you know, if you get one of the big box churches that are doing nothing but, but the uh, full on, you know, um, worship, uh, contemporary wor- worship style uh, and ask them to try and try and get some more 
deep rooted into the, the history of the of the Christian practices and uh, liturgy and things like that, they're just not going to be able to do what we can do quite naturally here. Yep. So that's an advantage. And I, I, you know, I think a lot of times we apologize for that. In some in some settings, we apologize for people who are coming in from those sort of, uh, of uh, contemporary traditions and saying, you know, almost apologizing for it. I don't feel that way. I feel like it's one of the great strengths of our our tradition. In fact, it's one of the things on my mind is that how do we how do we leverage all that we have here mm-hmm. to connect with people who we know that that's going to help them express their, yeah. their worship of the Lord? Because we've got a lot that we offer. This church has a lot to offer this community. Yeah. And those three services give us a broad appeal to more people yeah. who come yeah. from various backgrounds. So you're right. If you look at it even from a, from a mission or a evangelistic standpoint, I know worship is, is uh, primarily for the believer, um, but I, but I think that worship also can be a way that God attracts unbelievers and having the different services gives lots of options mm-hmm. relationally as you meet neighbors and friends, getting a sense of what you think would really connect with them. And I think what's been interesting is to watch people who, as they invite a friend, they invite a friend who would more likely connect with a vine style of worship, but the person who's inviting them is more of a traditional person, but for the sake of love, they've been willing to invite them and take them to the vine service or vice versa. Someone who comes from a vine, but they feel like their, their friend has a history with more traditional worship. So they'll go with them to the traditional service. That's great. So anyway, so yeah, I just think you're great. right. It gives us a lot of uh, great opportunities to connect with people where they are. Now you did ask, you did, this is preaching. So you were, we were talking about preaching mm-hmm. in these, in these services and what's different about that is, and, uh, and I do find that there's a difference in the, the, the room itself each room feels different. Mm-hmm. You know, from the preacher's point of view, uh, you know, I, I can preach the, I, two weeks ago I did preach, I preached all three services. Yeah. So that was a kind of a whirl, whirlwind of a, of a thing to do. But, you know, the, the 815 had a, had a, the room itself, the, the space had a, had a vibe and uh, it, it seems to be a more quiet space. And, um, yeah. and so, so you're, you're, when you start as a preacher, you look for those visual cues that you're, you're connecting with people, your yeah. head's nodding and things like that. And, and you know you don't you don't when you don't see as much of that because that's just not. And this is not this is going to sound like I'm not this is not right, but it's just it's just not where that 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 place is for that, that worshiping congregation where they're not they're not all about they're not putting their hands in the air and they're not going they preach it brother preach it not the, you know they're just going to you can tell they're listening yeah but you know you're you're it's it it it, it creates a there's a certain um, um, connection. That is different. Yeah. When you're sitting in a vine service, mm-hmm. when they are, I don't know. I, I say that I've been to one. I've preached one vine service. You, you'd have to tell me what. Yeah. The, what the, the no, difference they are. is. Yeah, they're than, different. Because uh, my experience of the contemporary crowd is because you're casual and the band's been playing and is darker mm-hmm. and you know there's a there's a loose looser, mm-hmm. uh, freer, uh, more open, more verbal, more. Um, willing to acknowledge and to 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 connect with and yeah. and show those all those visual cues, you get more of that as a preacher. And the preaching style, I think, in a modern service is more like a. It's even though it is in reality, it's one way. It feels more like a dialogue. It feels yeah. more like the, the the style that you use in modern preaching oftentimes feels more like a conversation, yes. which I think is also a different thing. Not right or wrong, it's just different. And I've, I have found that what was interesting to me, because it did feel like that conversation, um, I found that when I, when, I, when I prepare, when I was doing both of them, both the contemporary and the traditional style, the vine mm-hmm. and the classic, um, 
I have found that I could come in and speak the the identical message in one service, and mm-hmm. it has that in one service it has a more conversational feel, and the other one it has more of a high church feel, mm-hmm. and it's the same exact words, yeah. but it just it just feels yeah. different. That's a very strange sensation actually. Now that I think yeah. about it, yeah. That's just, but once again, it's not right or wrong. Uh, it's just different, and, and each each kind of worshiping congregation has its personality and its feel. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, yeah. So that's an interesting yeah. uh, observation. But as a as a as a kid who grew up on classic music or, or grew up on classic rock music, and was a band geek, and and grew up Roman Catholic, I had mm-hmm. liturgy, I had classical music, and I had rock and roll music. Yeah, I found myself, uh, and I know I'm talking about music there. I found myself and liturgy. I find myself just as as at home in uh, a lit- liturgy and uh, hymns and classic music as I am sitting in. And I, I sing in the choir mm-hmm. regularly, but I also, also for a long time I played in the band as well. Yeah. So I'm not, I, yeah. I'm I I love being in both places because I feel at home in both places. Well, so. you're perfectly suited to be our new pastor, and that works <laughs> exactly. out well. I think so. I think <laughs> so. And I love it all too. Yeah. So we should talk about uh, Sunday. Uh, yeah, yeah. Kick off how, this how, new did, how did it go? I think it went well. Um, I th- I'm excited about the series. I think it's going to be neat. I think people who've been raised in church are probably somewhat familiar with Hebrews 11 and just that idea of the Hall of Faith and that sort of thing. For people who are not from any kind of church background, I think it's a cool way for them to see the sweep of Old Testament history. Um, but it's from a place in the New Testament. So I think that's going to be, mm-hmm. uh, it's going to be a neat series. And so it was, uh, it was a lot of fun to kick it off. Yeah. And I felt people are really excited about where we're headed. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we talked, we talked briefly about the fact that when you start a new series, like we both did this, this week, mm-hmm. there's a certain amount of real estate in your preaching moment that, yeah. that is dedicated to setting up the series. Yeah. So how did you, what were you thinking about when you were setting up the well, series? Well, yeah, that's always the trick. Is so you've got, um, you've got the. We wanted to get to Abel because he mm-hmm. was the first of the of the, the faith uh, stories that we wanted to talk about. But you had to start with the book of Hebrews. You had to start with well, what's the big idea? What is it we're supposed to be taken away from? Um, and introduce the whole series. And so to me, that's always a challenge because I love that. I love the stories behind the letters or the books of the Bible. So I'm always feel that tension between, man, I want to talk about Hebrews and who wrote it and, and who was he writing to and set the scene. But I also wanted to get to Abel. And so I found myself feeling like I just had to compromise a little bit on the on the backdrop of Hebrews 11 and that sort of thing to get to Abel. And it just feels like you're you're just cramming a lot in. And so sometimes I wonder if it's just, if it's too much. And so I, I kind of felt that way Sunday. I thought, well, I listened to you on Sunday and it did, you did not feel like you were cramming a bunch of, a bunch of things in. It felt very smooth and connected. Well, good. I listened to your message. So, well, good. But I knew, I know the, what you're saying is that you have to spend a certain mm-hmm. amount of time saying, this is what the, this is the book of Hebrews. This is, yep. uh, and I like how you began too with the, um, with you started with Hebrews 12. Yeah. And you, and you backed up to let that, let the, show how Hebrews 11 builds to Hebrews 12. Yeah. Yeah, where you started with the big idea of legacy, which, which I think is prob- was probably more of a direct connection um, than the idea of who, who's cheering for you kind of a thing. I thought that was a cool way to look at it, that each of these faith heroes, in some ways, the reason they ended up in Hebrews 11 is because they had some kind of a legacy. In this case, mm-hmm. it was a legacy of faith. Uh, but I thought that was something everybody could easily relate to is, is not, it was wanting their life to matter for the right things when everything's said and done. So Isn't it, it interesting that the, in Hebrews 11, that, um, 
of all of the people that could have been named mm-hmm. in a Hall of Fame list. And, you know, there's there's some that were named outright, and there was a handful of them that were, yeah, that were referenced. Uh, you know, you, you know from what they were saying that it was a, this is what it was a, they're roughly talking about, who they're talking about. Isn't it interesting that they chose that list? That's yeah. going to be interesting to see as we go forward. You know, why this this list? Yeah. I, mean, I know we're only doing eight of them, but why this list? Why didn't we, why didn't we include, you know, yeah. Josiah or somebody like that? Well, especially, and in, 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 so it's not only who didn't they include, but when you look at some of the ones they did include, you think of like even Abel, you know, Abel and Enoch, both these, these first two are, they're, they're just such scant material on them. And, and it's, it doesn't just jump off the page at you as to why they're heroes of faith. Lots of speculation about what it, you know. So I, I think that's also interesting. And I think that's part of the fun is why did he, why did he include them? And, and trying to go back then and kind of dig that out and, and think about that, I think it's kind of cool. But it's, yeah. it's also, I'm, I'm glad you, because you mapped out the series, and I think it's neat that you decided to, to focus on some lesser-known characters as yeah. opposed to just cherry-picking the ones that everybody would know. And yeah, I think the, out of the eight, I think one is going to be more of a, on a different level. It's one, one, and Moses is going to be in the, on the list. Mm-hmm. But Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are not on the list. Sarah's not on the list. Um, yeah. So that, that so so yeah, I wanted to pick something that people hadn't really didn't really know as much about. Yeah. Now we did something different in the uh, in the classic service that you're going to be introducing in the yeah. in the vine services this week, and so uh, I want to talk about that for just yeah. a moment there, because we're we're looking at these characters. I thought it would be interesting to actually meet the character, mm-hmm. so that you meet them through the preaching through the preach word, right? We we're, we talk about them, but we did a uh, first person narrative this week. Um, and had a person, one of the new elders of the, of the church, actually uh, stood up and actually became able mm-hmm. and gave a, a little monologue as, as if he were able. And uh, and then Dan Gordon did a great job here, where where uh, while he's um, giving his his soliloquy, the uh, the choir starts singing him, uh, and the back background is like, "What wondrous love is this?" They're singing that, you know, hum- humming that, oh, and then cool. they when the when the uh, soliloquy was done, they sang one of the verses from that and then hummed again. And that's how, that was a setup in, oh, in that. But right. it really kind of created a, a, a dramatic effect. And again, we're trying to introduce people to these characters. What is it about their faith that made them so special? And so I thought it'd be really interesting to, to mm-hmm. actually meet them. Now, we're going to do it in both services this yeah. weekend with Enoch. So Yeah, so. and I think what that does is it, too, I think people tend to... One, if you've been raised in church and you've heard these stories, sometimes I think you just, the, the, the characters are like two-dimensional. They don't even, they're just flannel graph. They're just, yeah, we've heard yeah, those names. Yeah, we, you know, and, and so I think, I think the embodiment of a monologue like that, it helps people. Like, these are real people, you know, and I can try to imagine, what if Enoch was standing right here? And so I think that's kind of going to be neat. Yeah. I think that'll be the benefit of having the monologues in the mm. services, mm. helping people connect with the reality of who they were. One of the things that you did um, was you 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 knocked out the three possibilities of why Enoch was or uh, Abel mm-hmm. was was uh, was venerated uh, for yeah. his for his for his faith. Um, I like that. I mean, I, um, I when I did it, I just said people said it's because of the blood sacrifice, and that ain't it. Yeah, <laughs> he yeah. said it just sort of declared it and, and moved on because. Uh, but you sort of unpacked that for people. That was uh, I thought it was very helpful this week. Yeah, I, and partly I because I. For me, honestly, I'd never preached on Abel. So I, I th- it was a cool challenge all week long to be in the text and think through that and reading all the commentaries. And I was, 
I found myself through the week like, oh, I wonder if it was that, or I wonder if it was that, and then I could hear different cases made for it. So maybe that was just part of my own processing. I thought, I wonder if other people are going to ask those questions or wonder why it wasn't that. So yeah, but once again, it's kind of like, why do you, a decision to do that meant that I was, I had to decide not to include something else. There's lots mm. of stuff, as you know, that, that stays on the cutting room floor that doesn't make it into the sermon. Mm -hmm. So it's always this choice of, well, if I cover those three in more detail, it means I'm not going to have time to do something else. So it's, you know, it's constantly making choices about that. But I heard from a few people already who just said that they'd never really thought about why and yeah. what the options might be. And so it was good to at least yeah. have categories for how to think that through. And I, I, I had a conversation with someone Sunday night and, and, uh, and it was something, it was out of the book of Genesis and, you know, what was, what was something about the Abel and the life of Abel and, and, uh, and, and I made the comment then, I said, you know, sometimes if you go into the first six chapters of the book of, of Genesis, you know, when you start speaking into those chapters, you, more often than not, you're going to raise more questions than you answer. Some of those, un, some of the things on the cutting room floor, I could talk about this or I could talk about that. Um, you know, just there, you, you, there's a, so much that, that, that yeah. doesn't get said. Yeah. The, and, and so much even what does get said that triggers other questions in people's mind. And that, I think that's part of the beauty of the preaching moment. Yeah. Is that uh, we talked about this last week? Is that you know we're we're speaking something, yeah, and the Holy Spirit once it leaves our uh, mouths mm -hmm. as as the vessels that God yeah. has chosen to, to bring His Word, it, the Holy Spirit takes it from there. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I think that's one of the the, the the cool things about the the preaching moment too. Well, what was neat was listening to your sermon. Um, I think part of the, the practice of listening to each other's sermons, one is it's good to just be on the receiving end sometimes. So I didn't have to, I didn't have to plan your sermon. Right, right. So I just got to listen and enjoy it. And for me, you talk about what the Holy Spirit does. Um, uh, Jenny and I, our kids are at the ages where some of them are launching, uh, a couple of them are about to launch. And so we've had a lot of second guessing and questioning about, are they where we wish they were? Are they far as long as we wish they were? But when you started talking about that you, um, you'd made certain commitments about the kind of legacy you wanted to have and that you made your marriage and your kids, the relationship with your kids, the, the, one of the biggest parts of, of what you want your legacy to be, mm. it was just cool because I, it, it just reminded you, now, you know, we did the same thing and we probably have not done this perfectly. No parents do, but we, we wanted to get the main things right and we felt like we did. And now that's kind of up to God. Well, the cool thing is you had no idea that you would preach that and that that would have an impact on me and it would encourage me. But that's, once again, that's the Holy Spirit. And I've had a number of people react to that, to that very little segment in there about yeah. the, that, that whole, at the end of my life document that I, that I created. I called it at the end of my life yeah. in the area of faith and marriage and children and so on. Yeah. And uh, how, you know, at some level we all think about it. Yeah. But to be able to, to put that out there um, yeah. as a legacy... Uh, in hopes that we would have some memory of our own life be something, even something close to what, you know, Abel and all these others are going mm -hmm. to be. Now, I would love to think that, you know, my great-grandchildren, my great-great-grandchildren will hear the stories of their great-great-grandfather. Yeah. And he was a Presbyterian pastor and he loved Jesus and he, and he did his very best to make a positive Im impact in this world and yeah. his kids were blessed and all this. Man, I can't think of anything, anything yeah. better than to have a legacy like that. Yeah. Yeah. So.
Well, um, we uh, we should kind of move towards a close. Any any closing yeah. thoughts about this? Well, weekend? we're headed next week. Is is uh, Enoch, which is a very unique story. So a little bit of a teaser. I, I mean, I hope you'll uh, if you if you've started the series or missed last week, jump in this week. Be a part of what's going on. Um, it'll be a it'll be a neat week. Once again, he's a, a much lesser known character of the Bible with a, a really unique twist to. Uh, to uh, why we know him and what he's legendary for. So uh, I'm excited about this week. And, um, and if you haven't, um, if you haven't, you could go back and listen to John or my sermon from last week to get the intro to the series and catch back up. Um, and if you're not going to be here this weekend, then make sure to live stream with us and stay connected that way. But I'm excited about that. I am too. And uh, uh, e- Enoch walked with God all of his days. Yeah. Yep. What a legacy. Yeah. That alone. Yep. How'd you like that to be instead of Kenny walked with God yeah. all of his days? Yep. Simple but profound, yeah. Simple but profound. Yep. All right. Shall we wrap it up? Yep. Thanks for tuning in and uh, tune in next week for the next episode of Armchair Preacher. See y'all later. See you next time. <laughs>